Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. So uh, this uh, week we are on the third message about gifts of the Spirit. The last two weeks um, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Next week is Palm Sunday. Week after that will be Easter Sunday. Uh, I would like to, like I said, I said this last week, I would like to jump into the gifts of the Father and the gifts of the Son uh, after this, but I don't know the exact direction uh, that we'll be taking right after Easter. Uh, but we will eventually uh, get there. But today we're going to be ending the gifts of the Spirit. So as I've said before, there are nine gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are exactly that. They are gifts of the Spirit. They come from the Holy Spirit, and they are powerful gifts from the operation or the manifestation of the Spirit in our life. Again, these are not talents. These are not learned skills. These aren't things you go to Bible college for. These aren't things that I can... Like, like you can take a class and I can teach you how to do. These are gifts of the Spirit. It's when the Spirit in us, when we allow the Spirit in us to function in this way, and the Bible specifically says for the edification of the church. Now, some of the things we've been talking about is how this can be applicable when we are in the world uh, as well. So today we are in the category as the power gifts. So we've had the uh, mind gifts or the revelational gifts. We've had the inspirational or the vocal gifts. And today we have the power gifts. Uh, so this is the gift of faith. This is the gift of healing. And this is the gift of miracles. So let me just read that verse to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, and to another, the working of miracles. If you would like a greater context, context than that, then go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and you can dig into uh, that. So the first one is going to be faith. So when you're talking about the gift of faith, we are talking about the supernatural ability to believe that God is going to do something when it comes to an impossible task. Okay, so this is supernatural belief for a supernatural need. This is not, let me repeat, this is not the faith that we have believing in Christ. It is not the faith that we have believing in the Word of God. And it is not the, gen, the faith that we have in trusting the Lord. Those faiths are developed by us. We choose to believe in Christ. We choose to believe in the Bible. We develop a level of faith of trusting God as we walk out our journey of faith. The gift of faith is this supernatural endowment. It's like when God supersedes your thoughts, your logic, your idea of what's possible or not, and you're just like, I know that I know God can do this. Does that make sense? 
It works without doubt. It works without unbelief. It works without reasoning. Now, there's a lot of examples uh, in Scripture about this. Uh, A very popular example that I just wanted to say to you this morning is Peter walking on water. Perfect example. Him and the disciples was in a boat in the storm. Jesus was already on the water. They thought they had seen a ghost. Peter rising. I don't know why he thought it. I really know why. I believe it was the Spirit leading him to say it. Jesus, if that is you, call me out. Jesus said, come. Just come. What made Peter think a man of the sea, a man born and raised in the environment of water, a man that made his livelihood working in a vessel on the water, who had never in his life seen anybody walk on water. There was no logical reason for him to think that he could walk on water. He had never seen it. He had never heard of it. It had never been documented. But somehow or another, this man believed that he could perform or do the impossible simply because Jesus said, come. That is the gift of faith. When you are staring when you are dealing with a circumstance that is absolutely, let me say this, impossible to you, not impossible to me, impossible to you. Because your circumstance may not be impossible to me because of my faith and what I've walked through, but your circumstance might be impossible for you. Or you might be with other people in which their circumstance is impossible to them. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, as opposed to Peter's experience and Jesus saying, come, in your experience, the Spirit of God just drops this belief in your heart, drops this thought in your mind, and you just know that you know you haven't. Maybe you didn't hear it. Maybe you didn't see it. Maybe you don't have a frame of reference, but you know with all your heart that this mountain is going to be removed. It goes against logic. It goes against reasoning. It goes against everything. And the only thing you have to go by is the Spirit of God dropping this inside of you. And you just know that you know that you know that you know that you know. ya! It's the gift of faith. Fishing story. My granddad. <clears throat> so... Where I was raised, we had uh, basically rivers around us. We, we, for the most part, lived on the water. My granddad was a literal, I'm not exaggerating, a legend, a local legend when it came to fishing and hunting. He was so good that he had uh, pro, uh, pro bass fishermen uh, trail him and kind of like try to figure out where he would go and fish. And he wasn't a competition uh, fisherman, it was a part of his livelihood. Uh, our area became pretty big on, on the competition and tournament tour for bass fishing. And so 
my granddad would be fishing, and he, he, he would notice that these men, uh, uh, not all at once, but at different times, would just kind of creep along where he, where he crept. And one time he did a U-turn, and he, he uh, kind of blocked this man in, and he was like, what, what's going on with you? I, I, I can tell you're, you're, you're following me. And this man was like, I hear you're the best in the area, and I just want to know where you fish at because i got a tournament coming up this weekend, and I want to win some money. So my granddad was a legend. He knew the weather patterns. He knew the condition of the water. He knew the wind. He knew, he, he knew when to fish and when not to fish. Him and his buddy was going fishing one day, and his buddy was an unbeliever. And they got down at the banks, or maybe he went to pick them up. Nonetheless, his buddy was like, Laney, it ain't happening today. Look at the wind, look at the weather, temperature, blah, blah, blah. There ain't no way we're going to catch any fish today. And my grandfather looked at his friend was like, we'll catch fish. You just got to believe. We'll catch fish today. He's like, Laney, you're crazy. You ain't going to catch no fish today. My granddad was, yep, you'll see. And there was some type of thing of my granddad praying to himself because this was an unbeliever. But, but there was like this faith that had dropped into my granddad that they're going to catch fish. Even when all the signs, and my granddad knew the signs, was there's no fish biting today. Long story short, they got out on the water, and they ended up catching a lot of fish. And it was the faith that my granddad had to go out and catch fish that led this other man to the Lord. And this man, because because they both knew the water, they both knew the weather, they both knew when fish, I'm about to fall over, both when they bite or they don't bite, and because this other man knew this, and he witnessed with his own eyes my grandfather's faith and my grandfather's declaration that the fish is going to bite today because of what the Lord had deposited in his heart. I don't know if it was the same day. It might have been in the boat. But my granddad ended up leading that man to the Lord because of the gift of faith that, would, that was deposited for fishing. The gift of faith. See, the gift of faith can happen with you on your job, with the coworker. A gift of faith can happen with you and your family in a circumstance. A gift of faith can happen between you and a person here at church. A gift of faith could happen when you are going through something and all you are seeing is mountains and dark skies and no light at the end of the tunnel. Then all of a sudden, in the midnight hour, God just whoop, drops that gift of faith in you. And it can be for yourself or it can be for somebody else. For my grandfather, it wasn't for him. My grandfather always had a free, three freezers full of fish, venison, and other things. He didn't need the fish. But my grandfather knew that that day of fishing was for his buddy that was on his way to hell. And after that fishing trip, was on his way to heaven. Amen? So number two is healing. 
Again, let's recognize this is the spiritual gift of healing. Supernatural power to heal all manner of physical and mental sickness slash disease. I want to emphasize this without human or medical aid. If human or medical aid is involved, it is not the gift of healing. Now we know and we believe in modern medicine. Can I get an amen? But we have, to, we, we have to recognize there is a difference. The gift of healing is when you have no aid. One person prays or a few people pray and the other people gets healed. Now sometimes God uses the power of modern medicine to heal people. Amen? But God also uses the power of his spirit to heal people too. Amen? And we have to recognize the difference. Because I've had and I've heard people uh, say and talk about that, uh, that the gift of healing it also includes uh, the healing that comes from modern medicine. And, and that's just not accurate. That's not true because this is the gift of the Spirit. It's not the gift of medicine. The gift of the Spirit of healing comes from the Spirit. It doesn't come from education. It doesn't come from doctors. Even though we believe in and we agree, we agree with and we love some of them. The gift of healing is when the Spirit of God manifests through a person during or after a prayer and that person is healed. And this really is a straightforward act in the Bible. This is a straightforward gift. Someone prays, and someone gets healed. But now when you look at the ways it happens in the Bible, there's a few different ways that it happens in the Bible. Number one, we see that it happens in person. Jesus was always going about healing people right there in person. Peter and John, after the day of Pentecost, they stood before the lame man. A silver and gold, they said, or Peter said to him, Silver and gold have I none, but what I give to you, uh, I give to you, rise up in the name of Jesus and walk. And he was healed right then and there. That was a healing in person, and the Bible is full of them. But it also happened indirectly. Remember the story about Jesus and the centurion. The centurion had a servant that was sick and on his deathbed. The centurion sent another worker to tell Jesus about him. Jesus began to make his way to the house. The centurion sent another messenger saying, Please, I am unworthy. Don't come to my house. I believe in you. You just say the power or you just say the word. And I know my servant will be healed because I am a man of authority. And I tell them to go and they go. And I tell them to come and they come. And you are a man of authority. So just say the word and he will be healed. And Jesus was like, I have not seen or witnessed any faith like this. And then the Bible says, when that servant went back to the house that the sick man was made well. It was an indirect healing where Jesus proclaimed the word. A person who operates in the gift of healing can just declare the word over somebody that might be some, some ways away and they can still be healed. A third one is Peter's shadow. The Bible says that they brought people out into the streets so that Peter's shadow might pass over them. 
Then the verse after that says that all was healed and all unclean spirits came out. Very interesting, huh? To think that out of a man's shadow came the gift of healing. The Bible also teaches us about a prayer cloth. How Paul would anoint a cloth and he would send it to the sick. And guess what? The sick would be healed. So we see that the gift of healing manifested in different ways in the Scripture. But it came from a person that was empowered with that spiritual gift. Peter was empowered with that spiritual gift. Paul was empowered with that spiritual gift. But now, let's understand this. Sometimes this is where some confusion happens in the church. Some people has a tendency to think that they're not healed because of the person praying. And even though that can be the case, it's not always the case. Sometimes people are not healed, not because of the person praying, but because of the lack of faith in the person's heart. Perfect example. This is in Matthew chapter 13, verses 53 to 58. Jesus, in his hometown, the Bible says that he could not do many miracles because of their unbelief. So when you read that scripture in context, what you see is people saw Jesus from his hometown, and they were like, isn't this the son of Mary? Isn't this the son of Joseph? Isn't this the brother of, and he lists the name of the brothers? And they saw Jesus for who he was, not for who he is. Let me hit the pause button. Sometimes we don't receive what we pray for is because our view of God is based off a level of spirituality that we've had in our past and not a level of spirituality that we need to grow into. They receive Jesus as his past, meaning that they had they were stuck in this mindset that Jesus was just a boy from Nazareth. They could not see Jesus as he was in their present, meaning that they did not grow their faith to where Jesus wanted to be in them then and there. And if we cannot ever grow our faith to where Jesus wants to be for the now in our life, we will never receive what God has for us in the now in our life. Now that's better than you're giving me credit for right there. (laughs) You can go back and listen to the podcast if you want that again. Number three, miracles. Supernatural power to change, alter, stop, or start the elements in the natural and spiritual domain. So, right, we have two domains. We have the natural domain, touch, feel, smell, taste, all that good stuff. And then we have the spiritual domain. It's the domain of angels and the domain of demons. It's the domain of interactions that occur in our spirit. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we we wrestle against the principalities of darkness. So, Miracles is the ability to change the elements of the natural and the spiritual. This can happen uh, 
like when responding to a need in the moment. This can also happen because of an act of faith to prove the reality of God. Bible is full of these examples. The parting of the Red Sea, a miracle. The pushing back of the Jordan River, a miracle. Water coming out of a rock for the children of Israel, a miracle. Jesus standing up and rebuking the storm and the storm calming was a miracle. Uh, the disciples uh, pulling fish out of the water and getting tax money out of the fish's mouth was a miracle. Philip, the evangelist, being transported supernaturally from one place to the next place, just like that. And the New Testament in Acts is a miracle. Elijah running longer than a marathon, faster than a chariot of horses, was a miracle. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday today and forever. And if God was willing to produce miracles in the Old Testament, and if God is willing to produce miracles in the New Testament, God is willing to produce miracles in today's time and season. Miracles is a benefit. Can you say a benefit? How many of you like good benefits on the job? You like that 401k. You like those health benefits, especially right now. You like, you like the fact that you might have a gas card knowing you got to pay $6.50 for a gallon of gas. Benefits. You like having a company car. You can keep the miles off of that $70,000 Escalade. Right? Everybody likes benefits. Miracles is a benefit for the children of God. If the children of God take the benefit and use their faith that produces the miracles. Can I get a hoorah? You thought that was funny, didn't you, dear? My daughter's sitting there laughing at me. Miracles is a benefit if we exercise the choice to use the benefit. What would it be to us if your job provided uh, health insurance and you went to the doctor and you didn't give them that insurance card and you was just like, oh, just, just, just send me the bill. I live at 620 Hoffman Drive, Shafter, California, 93263. You would not reap the benefit because you are not exercising the right that you have as a beneficiary of that health insurance. Come on, are you breathing this morning? Sometimes we do not reap the benefit of a miracle because we don't choose to believe, choose to receive, and choose to do the things that will bring forth the miracle in our life. Hmm. I'm doing better than I'm getting credit for. Let me give you some, a few extra facts concerning these gifts. Oftentimes, these gifts work with one another. Oftentimes, faith goes with the healing. Oftentimes, even in Scripture, you will see that the healing and the miracles are clumped together. So, they usually piggyback off of one another. One affects the other, or one allows the other to function. They typically, 
require a deep level of intimacy with God and maturity. You don't, and typically, and I say typically because I never put God in a box. Because, you know, God, God, God said, you know, the rocks is going to cry out if you don't praise me. Right? God brought tax money out of a fish's mouth. That I, 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 I typically don't happen. So you can't put God in a box, but that's why I say typically, in my experience and in, in, in what I've done in ministry, these type of things come from intimacy with God and maturity with the Lord because what is required of them. To much is given, much is required. And when you enter into this area of the gifts, there is a lot of requirement when it comes to faith, healing, miracles, and what one must do when it comes to these. But there are times, and I have come across stories and instances to where someone just got on fire for God and they went out through faith and God just began to work through them and there was miracles, signs and wonders, healings and all this faith from someone young in the Lord. So that's why I say typically, but you can't put God in a box. Amen? I would love for one of our kids or one of our teenagers to come up here, lay their hands on somebody and all of a sudden cancer disappear. Amen? I mean, we don't need some old buck up here doing it. I'll, I'll for sure step aside. I'll be like cheering them on. I'll be, come on, Cora. Come on, boy, heal that person. Say, come on, Jude. Lay down hands on them in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, come on. Amen? And anybody else's kid, I just go blank on names. I know Jude and I know my son, and I go blank on, on Maybe that's not a good thing. Anyway, it's a great thing. Oftentimes, they are, they, they are coveted by believers uh, to use and to experience. They are needed in the world. They are drastically needed in the world. Can you imagine what would happen to someone's faith if in a break room or after work at your car, you was able to lay your hands on, some, on, on them because of a condition, and they were healed right then and there. Can you imagine what would happen to their life, their faith, their relationship with God? And for me, when, when, when God uses me to impact a person, the second thing that typically always comes to my mind after the initial uh, experience of that person is the possibility of a generation being changed. I'm a part of a generational change because of God touching one man, and that was my dad. One person can lead to a whole generation of God-seekers, Jesus followers, and world changers. But, can you say but? They can also be some of the least seen and experienced in a church setting. Let me give you a few really quick reasons. I'm not really going to elaborate because I don't want to be on the negative end of the stick. Five reasons why we are not seeing more of this today in the church. And this is, from, this is my opinion and my experience. Number one, 
it has begun to happen in small-slash-private settings, small groups, one-on-one activity, living rooms, workplaces. So these types of things are happening, but maybe not as much in a larger setting. Number two is people not willing to pay the price of holiness, prayer, risk, sacrifice, and the list goes on. See, I'm, I'm a believer because Jesus does teach to exercise authority over certain types of spirit. There, require, there is required a lot of prayer and a lot of fasting. So that teaches me of levels. So there's levels of authority from Christ, and there's levels of sacrifice on our part. And if we don't reach the level of sacrifice, we will not reach the level of authority. Now, I, I, I can go deeper in that, but just, 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 just as, as a reason why. Number three is ulterior motives. It's sad to say some people want to exercise this authority because they want glory. They want their name known. They want, quote, the big ministry. They want money that comes from big ministry offerings. They want fame. They want fortune in a Christian context. And this is disgusting. There was, I forget the, the, the name, because they, they bypass me so often. There was a the name of a man in the Bible. He wanted some of the power, and the disciples absolutely rebuked him and told him he was evil for wanting the power for selfish gain. It doesn't happen. Sometimes we don't receive these things because we become too dependent on modern medicine. It hinders our faith. Why exercise faith, which can be sacrificial and a little bit hard, when you can just go down to the doctor and get a pill? Right? I mean, it's just, I'm, 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 I'm not pointing. I'm not being negative. That's just the way it is. It's the way it is for me. Like, why do I have to believe for God to touch me for a splitting headache when I can go take about three ibuprofen? Right? But I, I will say, I've seen the offset of this. So I was raised in a family that partially lived off the land and that hardly ever or would never go to doctors. And so I witnessed my grandparents and my great-grandparents depending on the Lord as if their life depended on Him. And they wouldn't go to the doctors or they couldn't go to the doctors because they couldn't afford the doctors. And I've witnessed and I saw and I heard the stories from years gone past of God healing them because God was their dependency, not modern medicine. So I'm not not saying that's a bad, I'm not saying that's a good, I'm just giving it as a fact. Is that understandable? You've got to seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling on that stuff. Last reason, this is specifically more in, in, in our nation, in our modern age, is we're disconnected from the spiritual realm. And it hinders our faith. You want to know why there's more miracles in other countries? Because some of these other countries is tied more to a spiritual realm. Been there, done that, seen it. Talked with people who's experienced it as well. 
I've been to the jungles of Central and South America where they believe and they exercise spiritualism. And the power of God was always more manifest in those zones. I've had friends and people I know that have been missionaries to Africa, to where they, uh, that they live from. They are guided by spiritualism. And the manifestations and the power of God was always more because there was an openness and understanding and an expectation of the spirit, uh, 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 from the spiritual realm. But in our nation, we've become really far from that. And it hinders us. It hinders our faith. So in, in, in my ending, and this is not going to be a 15-minute ender, the Bible teaches us to desire and be zealous for spiritual gifts. I want to encourage you to seek after spiritual gifts. Seek after the ones that, the God, that God puts on your heart, but more importantly, seek after the ones that God leads you, that, that, that God leads you to, or that the Holy Spirit wants to bring out of you. A few weeks ago, we, we did a different type of, of, of being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I tried my best to explain what happened to me and what could happen to you, that you would begin to feel this unction and this urge. Let me share this with you. The same unction and urge that I experienced with that very first gift, and that was the very first gift in my my life when I was a teenager, the gift of speaking in tongues, that same unction and that same urge and that same push is the same thing that the Holy Spirit began to do, do with me when it came speaking in tongues with the message, interpreting the message, when it came to word of knowledge, when it came to word of wisdom, when it's come to prophecy. Probably ever since I was about 21 years old, 22 years old, the Lord has used me on a regular basis in the first six gifts that we talked about in this series. The last three, I have to be honest, not so much. It has been very random. It hasn't been consistent. It has been as, as the circumstance had need of it. But those first six begin to develop in me the same way speaking in tongues was developed in me. This unction and this urge, this push, this restlessness. I would be sitting in a service and I would just feel this push, this unction and this urge to give a message in, tongue, in, in tongues. And for me, there was always an interpretation to accompany that. I don't know if I've ever had anybody interpret a message that I gave. Or there would be times, because we, we had, I, I was raised in a very spiritual church. There would be times that someone would give a message in tongues. And as soon as they started speaking, or sometimes even before, like I, I would get these thoughts and these ideas, and I knew they wasn't for me. It would be random out of nowhere, opposite of what was going on in my mind at that moment. 
and I'd be like, oh, like I knew it. It was, it, it was different. And I just knew that someone was going to give a message in tongues. Sure enough, someone did. And usually God would give me like a sentence. And that was the start. And I knew it was from the Lord. That doesn't mean it makes it any any easier. I was very nervous. I was very scared. I still get nervous and I still get scared. But I felt that, the same unction and that same urge that I felt when the Lord just began to develop my personal spiritual prayer language. Then it escalated to prophecy. Out of nowhere, doing whatever I was doing in a church, in a ministry, in a service, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God would give me a word. Sometimes it started with a vision, with like false sights, imaginations. Sometimes it started with the phrase. Sometimes it started with like an opening, as if God dropped a book into my mind in one second. And I knew they were from God most times because of what people would come to me and say afterwards. And then there's times when I begin to actually pray for people. This happened when I, me and Lorana took a big step of faith, one of these gifts of faith. I had, I had not preached more than five times in my life, and God put in my heart to just go start preaching on the road. My dad told Lorana, Lorana, don't worry, because Lorana was scared to death, freaked out about that. He said, this takes years to develop. I was full-time. I was booked up six months in one week. I had not preached more than five times. But the Holy Spirit dropped that gift of faith in me. And I just got on the phone. Started calling pastors and told them who I was. They booked me for a revival. I look at back like look at I look at that now and be like, boy, you were so naive, you were dumb. Logically, yes, but spiritually, no. Then I began to get in those services. My first, my second revival, I had a demon manifest. This joker, he was about as tall as Matt, but a lot bigger than Matt. I laid my hands on him, and all of a sudden he started doing this, this thing. And all I knew is I was not going to let go of this big joker. I grabbed onto this joker. We hit the deck. We started rolling. We probably rolled from here to almost the carpet back there. By the time we stopped rolling, boy, we had preachers on top of them. We had these little old ladies that was full of the Holy Ghost on top of them. And we were casting that demon out of that joker. And he was free in about 20 minutes. To me, that's a spiritual miracle. And then I began to ask people to come forward for prayer. And it would start off by me just laying hands on them. Just general, sweet, nice little prayer. And then all of a sudden, I would have visions as I was praying for them. And through that, I would give them word of wisdom and word of knowledge, prophesy. All of it started by the same little, from the Holy Ghost. Like when I would be standing in front of people and I would be praying for them, yes, I would get a thought, I would get a phrase, I would see something in my mind. 
but that unction, that urge, that push from the Holy Spirit that began when I first received the gift of speaking in tongues. Now, have I made mistakes? Yeah. Have I missed the mark at times? All zealous believers do. As long as you ain't going telling something, something to somebody that's all weird and off the wall, just be honest with them. You know, I, I've had the Holy Spirit lead me to people, absolute strangers, and I'm just straight up with them. I'm like, look, this is on my heart to share this, but if it don't make any sense, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And I've never had anybody say, get back from me. I want to hear this. Because they're curious. They want to know if God wants to say something to them. I would say 90 to, 90 to I don't know, 95, maybe 99% of the time, I haven't missed it. It starts. You just got to open yourself and open your heart and be open to God moving in you. Begin to recognize that push. Begin to recognize that little, that little nudge. Begin to recognize when your thought changes to a thought that God just dropped into your mind. And I would say, secondly, please, please use wisdom. The Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is controlled by the prophet. There are times that God get, has given me words that, I, that just out of wisdom I knew I was not to share it. There was times that I discerned things about people that out of wisdom I knew I wasn't to confront it. There was times I was given a message in a church and out of wisdom I knew that the moment I got that was not the time for me to share it, that I had to wait for an opportunity and an opening because I was under the authority of a pastor. Exercise wisdom. And if something is weird and off the wall, please err on the side of caution. Me and Lorana have a friend. She was brought up to the front and she was told she had worms because she ate too much candy as a kid. I'd like to smack that preacher who told that girl that. How stupid. Wisdom would just tell you. Number one, you would never embarrass anybody in front of a crowd of people. Number two, you're a male, that's a female. There needs to be another female involved if that was true. Number three, that is most likely off the wall because you don't get worms from eating too much candy. Right? It's okay to laugh. It's okay to laugh, to be disgusted and to be mad at the same time. So I was all three. I was laughed, I was disgusted, and then I was mad at this idiot. You give us preachers a bad name, man. You pull them junk like that. Got to use wisdom. It's always safe. It's always better to err on the side of caution. Am I making sense this morning? The world needs the power of the Spirit that is available in us needs it. We, as fellow believers, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, 
we need the gifts of the Spirit that can operate in each of us. We need wisdom, knowledge, and prophecy. We need tongues and the interpretation. We need faith. We need healing. We need miracles. We need it. And the world needs to witness it amongst us. Amen? I pray you open yourself up to it. It's another level. It's definitely another uh, another type of faith to exercise. But when you're used by God in such a powerful way and that power impacts people, other than leading someone to the Lord, as a servant of Jesus Christ, there's nothing quite like it. Leading someone to the Lord is number one. But right below that is having is the Holy Spirit working through you to do something powerful that impacts somebody. That's like, it, it humbles you. It makes you feel like, wow. Wow. I'm babbling now. Let me pray for you and I'll let you go. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for kind of setting this up, developing it and designing it, pur- making purpose and will out of it. Uh, for us as your believers, as your children, as your servants. Father, I, I just ask that you, you, you challenge our hearts, you, that you create a, a stirring in our spirit, a desire. Uh, in our heart to yearn, as the Bible says, to yearn and to desire for spiritual gifts. For the benefit of one another. Not so that we can say we got the power. That's ridiculous. But so that we could be a better body. We can be a stronger body. We can be a part of people's journey of faith that has caused them to grow closer to you. We can be a part of leading people to the Lord. We can be a part of changing a community, a family, a person, a generation. Lead us. Lead us. Speak to us. Stir in us a desire for these gifts. In the name of Jesus Christ. Say amen. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.